0: Hello, I'm Toby Travener and welcome to MC Secrets. I've put this audio series together in order to share with you some of the ideas, the tools and the techniques that I've been able to pick up over the many years that I've been a corporate or business MC. For more than a decade now, I've acted as a business MC where I've worked in hundreds of events and conferences now and had the opportunity to uh, MC or host in those events, uh, host awards ceremonies and also conducted interviews and panel discussions or hypotheticals uh, with thought leaders from a variety of industry sectors. And although I'm a topic speaker, I found my role as an MC to be extremely rewarding. Uh, You get to spend much more time with a group of people, and in some instances that could be as as small as, uh, say, 30 or 40, or in others as large as 3,000. You get the opportunity to pick up more knowledge about an industry or a sector. Many times that knowledge is uh, cutting edge, literally straight off the researcher's desk. And I suppose uh, more opportunities to bond with groups of people and to, uh, to build networks. And uh, some of those individuals uh, that I've been able to build networks with are, are quite exceptional people. I've had the opportunity to interview three Australian prime ministers now. So Bob Hawke, uh, John Howard and Julia Gillard. Uh, numerous premiers over the years, including Victoria's Jeff Kennett, uh, Tasmania's David Bartlett and Queensland's Anna Bly, dozens of federal and state ministers, and I suppose also internationally famous politicians such as former Mayor of New York City, Rudy Giuliani. And uh, he was certainly a stereotypical, perfect example of what a politician could be. Uh, also business leaders, including uh, multiple top 100 CEOs uh, from organisations such as IBM, Telstra, uh, DHL, uh, Avaya, Lendlease, uh, AXA and so on, as well as uh, famous business names uh, like Australian entrepreneur and TV star Mark Boris, as well as the internationally famous uh, Sir Richard Branson. And what's interesting is that you get an understanding of um, of actually what they're really like not the public persona. And uh, many of you that I've spoken with individually have uh, have heard me describe uh, Sir Richard Branson as an example as a very uh, shy, introverted, humble man, far from the uh, the public persona that we actually see him in. And it's this insight which is actually quite interesting. Uh, especially when it comes to uh, what you might call elite individuals in their chosen fields, like sports stars. I had the opportunity to to interview Michael Johnson earlier this year, the four-times Olympic gold medalist sprinter. And, uh, again, a very humble, focused man, even though he was the one who wore shoes of gold, if we remember back in the 1996 Olympics. Uh, some of the legends of Australian rock music uh, was uh, was another opportunity. And this, I didn't get to interview them, but I did get to, uh, to go into the green room, that's the preparation room or the artist's kind of relaxation room, uh, before they were due to perform, and to see uh, names like... Ross Wilson from Mondo Rock, quietly sitting, drinking his peppermint tea. Joe Camilleri and Wilbur Wilde jamming and warming up on their saxophones. Uh, Frankie J Holden running around having a good time. Um, Glenn Shorrock warming his voice up. Uh, and and it's, they're just fantastic people to be around. And of course, the current uh, musicians like uh, Vanessa Amorosi and Guy Sebastian. All of these people, I think, when they hit a certain level, uh, develop a level of grace and charisma. Um, and certainly none of the prima donna or the prima donno behaviours that we often see. Uh, and, and so I suppose the life of an MC allows you to, to get behind the scenes as such and to be able to spend time with um, with experts in whatever they're doing and to be surrounded by thought leaders for so much of the time is exceptional. And to be able to call many of them my friends now has been a, a wonderful bonus. So what I was hoping to do is to share with you some of the ideas, some of the thoughts, some of the techniques that I've picked up over the years that uh, may allow you to move into this type of role if you're interested. So in this first segment, we'll talk about the different types of MCs, the opportunities to do this type of work, and I'll try and give you an overall summary of what I see the role to be. In the second audio segment, I'll share with you my preparation, what I need to do to make sure that I'm going to be playing the role of an MC effectively. The third module will include what I would call the basics and the not so basic, what to actually do in order to play your role as an MC effectively. In the fourth, we'll look at how to fill, how to link together the art of the segue, how to make sure that your conference or the event that you're emceeing actually flows from one speaker to another. And in the fifth, we'll talk about going above and beyond, what you may be able to offer your clients in order to be a little different from the standard person who just stands up and introduces the next speaker. And as a bonus, in segments six and seven, you'll hear from other MCs about what their thoughts are to get a more balanced viewpoint and also event directors and conference organisers on what they're looking for from somebody in the role of MC as well. So I hope you enjoy these seven modules. Why don't we start with the types of MCs in the marketplace? Uh, I'm known as a business MC. In fact, if you want to look at the genre in full, I'm known as a non-celebrity business MC. So that's a little bit like um, being, I suppose, the, the no-name brand Ray Martin or something like that. Uh, it basically means that I'm used uh, within business or industry or association conferences. And it, it's interesting. It's, um, it's uh, a role where it's what you're not rather than what you are. I can say what, what you are is the ultimate support person. Your job is to make everybody else look good. So when people ask me what I do, I say, well, uh, you have to be able to talk business without being an economist. You have to be able to talk the client's industry without uh, coming across as uh, a know-it-all expert. You have to be funny without being a comedian. You have to play a role without being an actor. Uh, You have to be a stickler for protocol and timekeeping without being um, a Nazi about it. And in essence, you end up looking good when you make everybody else look good. When people don't realise how smoothly things are running and that people just focus on the content and focus on everything being strung together, all the content being strung together well, uh, then you're doing a good job. So that's what I see the role of a business MC as being. Now, there are the other types of MCs as well. Uh, a lot of what I do is um, the awards ceremony or the gala event or gala awards MC, and that's, that's much more of a, a black tie host role where much of the time it is a set of awards and the whole idea is to keep things moving along, be charming, be smiling, and make sure everybody gets their 30 seconds worth of uh, thank yous before you usher them off. There are other types as well. Uh, celebrity MCs. Now, first of all, you, you kind of have to be a celebrity. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that you're uh, well-known to all people. It might be that you're a celebrity in the industry in which you're working. More often than not, though, uh, they're the people who are on either on TV or on radio who play that role, or perhaps sports stars or former sporting personnel. So a lot of the time, I'll be uh, you know, working during the daytime, and I'll hand over to a uh, somebody like a Larry Mder or a Katrina Roundtree to do the nighttime session, and that's what I mean by celebrity MCs. Uh, there are comedy MCs and plenty of those, so comedians who play that role. But then there are other versions as well. You might be uh, an MC at a fundraiser. You might be an MC at a fashion parade, and certainly if you've got a fashion background, that's a perfect way to get started. Uh, it could be at a uh, an auction or something like that. Uh, But they generally fall into, the role of MC generally falls into a couple of major characteristics. So business MC, celebrity MC, uh, comedy MC, or awards MC. And there are plenty of opportunities to play a master of ceremonies role. Now, I know it's we can jokingly say it's like weddings, parties and anything, but there's a good point there. A good way to get started is to help one of your friends at a, uh, a fundraiser, a party, a wedding, a bar mitzvah, whatever, in order to build some of your skills. If you're a member of an association, uh, put your hand up to play the role of an MC uh, in your local conference. And speaking of conferences, obviously conferences and seminars are a perfect opportunity. What i found, though, is that many times an association or a company will try and do the role themselves. And what I mean by that is they'll take the managing director or the sales manager or somebody like that, the director of HR, will try and play this role. Look, in my opinion, I think they can be very good if they're the right type of person. Uh, But more often than not, it's somebody who's untrained trying to play the role because they're Uh, You know, they're trying to highlight their position and use it as an opportunity to uh, show themselves in front of a large group of people. I personally think this can backfire because uh, they're not seeing them in their role as a sales manager or a managing director or whatever. They're seeing them in the role of an MC. And it's often better to have somebody else do that role so that they can be highlighted as the sales manager or highlighted as the managing director or director of HR or whatever. So there are opportunities if you're part of a large organisation to put your hand up and say, let me take on that role. Uh, And it's very easy to get that through by saying, you as the managing director should not be doing housekeeping. You as the sales manager should not be talking about what's happening next. We should have you on stage as an individual who's going to talk about the strategy, uh, the next 12 months or the latest sales figures or something like that. You may also have other opportunities in, in supporting awards nights sports or trivia nights, anything where the role is that of the host or somebody who pulls it all together rather than necessarily a keynote speaker or a subject matter expert or whatever. So the opportunities are are there. It's just a matter of volunteering enough times until somebody says yes. And then before you know it, Uh, You'll be volunteering in front of an association conference and then somebody sees you at that, says you've done a great job and gets you involved in another association or they get you involved in the second conference uh, the following year. And your career as a, a budding MC has already started. Now, once you're getting a bit of work, of course, the bureaus will want to pick you up. Then hopefully you'll get even more work. I think a key to success in this area, though, is to do it as if you mean it. And that doesn't mean, as an example, I'm a keynote speaker uh, who'll do a bit of emceeing on the side. I think those of us who can make a pretty good living out of doing this have decided that this is a key service that we actually provide. Uh, And certainly, as I said before, I love it. I love the challenge. I love the fact that things change. I love the fact that we have to think on our feet all the time. And it's uh, certainly less boring or, well, maybe the term is less repetitive than doing your same presentation over and over again. The other part I like about it, and this is purely from a financial viewpoint, is that if I'm a keynote speaker, then I'll get booked for an hour and make good money. As many of you who've uh, come along to sessions of mine in the past know that uh, even as a somebody who's not famous, uh, you could be making five or $6,000 easily for a, a good keynote presentation. Now, the hourly rate there is pretty good because you speak for 45 minutes for a, or an hour and you get that amount of money. Now, having said that, though, unless you've designed your schedule well enough or been lucky enough that you can do two or three presentations in a day, you're still limited to that as a daily rate. In the role of an MC, however, what I find is that I'll get booked for the entire three days of a conference, and so all of a sudden... That's now an eighteen thousand dollar gig or a twenty thousand dollar gig, rather than a five or a six thousand. Now, what's interesting about that is, although it's good financially for you as an individual, it's also good for the agents or the bureaus who are booking you as well. So you can imagine, as an example, if you're an up-and-coming speaker, uh, then you might be doing three to four thousand dollars, and they take their industry standard thirty percent. On the other hand, if you're being booked for three days and it's fifteen to twenty thousand dollars obviously 30% of that amount of money is a lot more enticing for an agent to work with. And now I'm working at the same level of, let's say, financial interest as, say, a General Peter Cosgrove or a Mark Boris or somebody like that with a higher level of notability and therefore the higher fees that go along with it. So uh, for me, it's not only an enjoyment factor, but there's also been some financial consideration in that as well. Now let's spend the rest of this module looking at what the role of an MC is. I'm going to try and summarise it, and we'll certainly go into this in much more detail in the other modules. But in essence, I I see the role of the MC is the glue, the glue that holds everything together. And as I mentioned earlier, the primary role, I believe, for an MC is to make other people look good. And when you make others look good then what ends up happening is that you and the conference or the event or the seminar ends up looking good as well. So here are a couple of simple thoughts. In being the glue, it's about providing the segue from one segment to another. So if I look at a conference in the way it starts, it's about an opening, and now that can either be me or it can be the official open, and then the MC will follow. But either way, it's about welcoming a group of people to a conference or an event. It's about linking uh, one speaker with the next. And unfortunately, a lot of the time conference design doesn't necessarily take into consideration what I would call standard uh, practical learning and development principles. So a lot of the time there is no thread from one subject to another, from one speaker to another. There is no common theme. And so I believe the role of the MC is to provide that, to ensure that there is a clear linkage or a segue from one speaker to the following topic, uh, to show how that particular presentation actually fits in to the overall theme or subject matter of the conference, especially if the speaker hasn't done that successfully themselves. It also means that um, we're responsible for time management and certainly I'll share this with you in, uh, in later modules but I've been known to flash time cards and times up cards in front of speakers because when you think about it, once one person goes over it affects everybody else and really there's no excuse for saying or thinking that an individual speaker is going to be more important than the following one, and therefore I'm I'm allowed to take an extra 10 minutes of, of, of the next segment's time. So it's a lot to do with time management, and I have been known after flashing the Time's Up signal on many, many occasions to actually walk up on stage and um, in a very charming way uh, <laughs> escort that person off. And uh, uh, look, the audience loves you for it. I may be hated by that individual speaker, but the audience, the conference organisers, uh, the people being measured by the success of the, uh, the conference itself uh, will be thanking you for it. Uh, sometimes it's about managing disasters as well. In other words, just keeping the flow going. And there's been a couple of disasters that, uh, that have happened to me uh, or to happen to a conference in recent times. And, and I use the analogy of the duck on the water. While the duck's on the lake, it looks pretty smooth on top, but you know that there are some feet pedalling furiously underneath. And that's our role, to keep the duck on the lake looking as graceful as possible. One was a distressed speaker, and this poor person just lost it. It was terrible. I could literally see this person standing. Uh, one of their legs started to shake. Sweat started to pull from the... Uh, temples, this person's temples, and not only did it start running down his face, it pulled on his chin and started dripping. And it got to the stage where he had psyched himself into a level of nervousness where it wasn't going to be possible. When I started to see that happen, I moved to the side of the stage with a glass of water. And when I saw that he didn't recover, walked up on stage, and started asking him some questions, gave him a glass of water, and we turned it into an interview. Remember again, the audience's feeling for that individual as if they were the person on stage, and also that individual will thank you later for helping them get through it. Now, I wouldn't necessarily do that for a seasoned speaker. They're unlikely to do that anyway because you don't want to tread on people's toes. But if it's a company speaker uh, within an in-house conference, then that's the sort of thing that can make a difference. I remember another one recently where videos were being played. This was a an awards night and videos were being played as an interlude into the awards night to celebrate the locality in which we're in, which was Darwin. The audio on one of these videos didn't work. So after waiting 15 seconds, uh, seeing if the audio would come up, it means that the MC needs to get up on stage and say something pretty quickly. Uh, Look, look, luckily for me, it was about the history of Darwin. And this was uh, a segment on the Overland Telegraph between Adelaide and Darwin. So obviously, the easiest thing for me to say was, well, look, in those days, they didn't have talkie, so let me do the narration for you. And that leads into, I suppose, the preparation, because luckily for me, I'd watched those videos as part of rehearsals, so at least I knew what the subject matter was and was able to provide a narration based upon what I'd seen earlier that day. So a lot of the time, it's about managing the disaster, keeping the flow. But beyond that, it's also about being a host. Although you're not directly associated with the company or the association uh, or the industry group, by being up on stage, you are their representative. So I'm a great believer that off the stage, you need to represent your role just as much as when you're on. So that means making sure that you're seen, that you're smiling, that you're assisting wherever possible. And uh, certainly in the other modules, I'll give you some hints and tips on how to do that. So look, just to wrap this first module up, it's a fantastic opportunity. If you ever get the chance to MC, then do it. Honestly, if you're that way inclined, it's it's a terrific opportunity to be able to learn and grow as an individual. But the role has a lot of intricacies, a lot of subtleties, and a lot of complexity that many people don't know about. And I'll share that with you in the modules that are coming up.